Morning, everybody. Good to see you all here again. Let me just put the bubble tea away. And uh, the foot pad is flashing at me. It says tap. And the red light is flashing. I feel like tapping it. Hello to everybody at the sanctuary also. Come on, uh, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, as we look to you and your word, we ask you to speak to all our hearts and give us understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to give you a, a short sermon. Uh, because on uh, Tuesday I had lunch with Pastor Anthony and Pastor Melvin. And Pastor Melvin said to me, I hear you're preaching on Sunday. So I said, yes sir. And he said to me, I plan to be there, so make it short. <laughs> to which I could only repeat, yes sir. But I'm confused now because just now, this morning, Pastor Anthony came to me and ordered me, don't listen to Melvin. So, who do I listen to? Anyway, today I've been asked to talk about terrorism. Terrorism. And when Pastor Anthony uh, told me the topic, I immediately said to him, kill them all. But he was quite concerned. And he said, no, 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 no. I mean a Christian response to terrorism. And I said, kill them all. Uh, so at this point, actually, I wanted to just uh, ask you to stand for the closing song. But uh, our local preacher, Louis Look, who is with the police force, he sent me uh, some slides to go through with you. So since I have those slides, I, I better uh, say a few more words. And the thing I want to say is that uh, thing about terrorism in Singapore is that it is both too remote from us and also too near to us. It is too remote uh, from us because it seems to be happening in distant lands, uh, in Europe during Christmas, in Egyptian churches at Easter, in India, in Afghanistan, in Indonesia, in the United States. It seems to be something that happens elsewhere. But it is here in Singapore as well. Uh, as early as 1965, some of you may remember, there was the McDonald House bombing along Orchard Road. Three people were killed, 30 people injured. And a student uh, at Trinity Theological College was walking past outside McDonald House, HSBC Bank, when a bomb went off and he was blinded in one eye by the blast. He still became a pastor. He's retired now. And then in 1974, more of you may remember, there was the Laju incident. Palestinian terrorists and Japanese Red Army terrorists jointly went and bombed the oil refinery at Pulabukum. And after that, to get away, they hijacked the Laju ferry. And then there followed a seven-day standoff. You may also remember the Jama'a Islamiyah, J.I., which continues to operate in Southeast Asia today. Nineteen years ago, in October 2001, Singapore arrested 13 members of the JI here. They were planning to bomb several targets in Singapore. The American Embassy, the Israeli Embassy, the British and Australian High Commissions, maybe even Yishun MRT Station. They made a reconnaissance video of Yishun MRT Station because that is where the American Navy personnel based in Singapore were picked up for work. But the J.I. 
they were more than willing to kill Singaporeans as collateral damage. You can still see their reconnaissance video with the commentary uh, on YouTube today. And when these terrorists were rounded up, they had four tons of ammonium nitrate to make explosives. And they had put in an order for 17 tons more. Things have actually heated up over the years. We've had the SQ hijacking. And then there was more recently a 19-year-old student here in Singapore who self-radicalized online four years ago. He made plans to join the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. He looked up how to travel to Syria. He also planned to carry out attacks in Singapore and assassinate government leaders. He researched ways online uh, of making improvised explosive devices. He spoke to at least three people to try and recruit them to help him carry out these attacks. They all refused, but they never reported him to the police. They never reported him to the police, and yet internal security picked him up anyway. Last year, the Ministry of Home Affairs announced that they had in total picked up five radicalized teenagers. And that's the reason I think we don't think much of terrorism in Singapore because the security services stopped the attacks. Our government does a great job stopping many terrorists or wannabe terrorists. So terrorism may seem distant from us. But the government has to succeed every time to win. The terrorists only have to succeed once. Even if terrorism is remote, we still, uh, we still feel its effects. I'm going to ask, how many of you here are at least 39 years old? Please raise your hands. At least 39 years. Okay. Keep your hands up, please. Keep your hands up. That means you were 21 years old when the current uh, age of terror in the West began. Oh, keep your hands up. So I want to ask you, those of you, your hands up, how many of you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when the planes flew into the twin World Trade Center towers on 11 September 2001? Where were you on 9-11? If you remember, keep your hands up. Most of the hands are still up. Thank you. If you're old enough then, very likely we remember where we were when we heard the news. I was in Kampong Kapo Methodist Church. I just completed a Disciple One class when a friend of mine in the class received a text message saying that a small plane had accidentally flown into the tower. I listened to the radio driving home and when I heard that a second plane had flown into the World Trade Center, I called my wife, asked her to turn on the television and when I reached home, I found my wife crying in front of the TV. The world changed after that. On the other hand, we have lived with terrorism in the world so long that maybe we have become desensitized to it. We are used to reading uh, reports of terrorism in the papers. So we don't seem to be bothered by these attacks anymore. So nine years ago, in November 2010, 
here in Singapore, there was an anti-terrorism exercise, codenamed Exercise Times Square. It was codenamed Times Square because six months earlier, in May 2010, two American street vendors saw smoke coming out of a parked car. The engine was running, hazard lights were on, they thought it was strange. They went over to take a look, they heard something strange inside the car. They saw the smoke, they went and they called the police. A third street vendor selling photographs also noticed the car. He went and he hailed a passing mounted policeman. Police came and they found four separate bombs in that car. They went on to arrest the terrorists who had planted the bombs. And three American street vendors foiled a terrorist attack. How would Singaporeans react in the same situation? So our Ministry of Home Affairs placed cars in nine locations in Shenton Way, in Orchard Road, in Harbourfront, Boat Key, and Marina Bay. The cars were rigged to look like car bombs. In the passenger seat, there were uh, gas tanks connected to strange devices. Wires protruded from under the car. And some of the cars even emitted smoke. The cars were placed in the open from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. And of course, they had cameras all watching. So 7,200 people walked past the cars, but only 260 people took notice. Some photographed the smoking cars. But of the 260 people who noticed, only 52 called the police. And not all of them immediately. At least one man saw the smoking car, he went for lunch, and he only called the police when he went back to the office. We are not alert enough. We are desensitized. The word terror uh, just becomes so familiar to us. How do we respond? How should we respond in a real terrorist attack? So I have some slides here. I want to say that in this increasingly violent and chaotic world, it looks like it is no longer a question of if a terrorist attack will hit us, but when. Religious places of worship are now regularly targeted. Just this, this year alone, in two months, March and April, synagogue in San Diego was hit by a gunman. One dead, three wounded. Another gunman hit two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. 51 dead, 49 injured. And then at Easter, three churches in Colombo, Sri Lanka were bombed along with three hotels, other residences. 259 dead, 500 wounded. Right here is what you should do in response in the event of a terrorist attack. You see the words in red, the big words. Firstly, just run. Yes, don't try and negotiate or surrender. Don't draw attention to yourself. Just run. Get everybody around you to run with you. Don't let the terrorists see you. If you can't run, 
hide. Hide in a room, block the doors, then don't stand near the doors in case the terrorists shoot uh, through them. Be very quiet, silence your phones. And then finally, as soon as you can, tell the police. Call 999. Or if you cannot talk, if it's not safe to talk, then you can send an SMS to 71999. So, run, hide, tell. Everybody say that together with me. Run, hide, tell. And this applies everywhere. If you're in a shopping mall, a public building, a church, a cinema, if there's an attack, run, hide, tell. In our church, specifically, if we need to run, go straight to the nearest staircase. Okay? Follow the ushers and staff who will point you in the right direction. Don't keep them waiting because they're going to run also. And then finally, leave the building from the first floor and keep on running. Remember to call the police when, a attack, when an attack happens. During the attack, if you are hiding, and this only applies if you are already hiding, and you are injured, and you, or if you see someone who is injured, and if it's safe to do so, then go and help out. Press the wound to stop the bleeding. If there's a lot of bleeding, tie above the wound. Use your belt, handkerchief, necktie, something to tie the wound above the wound to stop the bleeding. And then when you are rescued, same. Tell the emergency responders about the wound when you attended to the wound. After the attack, keep calm. Okay, do not speculate about the attack. Don't spread rumours or try to lay blame. Don't go and share videos or photos about the attack as they can create more panic and fear. Right, we like to be the first to share information. But let's also be sensitive and think about the other victims. Don't be in such a rush to post images of dead and injured people. Instead, care for others. Help each other bounce back and protect our way of life. Help things get back to normal as quickly as possible. Because the terrorists also win if they can disrupt our normal lives and make us live in fear. Now what you can also do now is to download the SG Secure app on your mobile devices. It enables you to report incidents. It gives you travel advisories from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. It tells you about any ongoing attack, where to avoid. Uh, it even shows you where the automated electronic defibrillators are located. So I have it on my phone, you see the top line second from the left. It's there. So you go and download it on your phones too. You can also visit the SG Secure website, www.sgsecure.sg. And this is a great source for information. It tells you what signs to look out for in radicalized individuals, how you can report suspicious activity. It has short videos to highlight what I just shared about you including how to administer psychological first aid after an attack. 
you will also find all the posters that were on the screen just now. Right, so I've told you quite a bit about terrorism and uh, what we can do in the event of an attack. But what is a Christian response to terrorism? I say a Christian response because Christians are not a monolithic block of people. But we are different. And so naturally we have different perspectives. We read the same Bible and we may come to different conclusions. So 500 years ago, for example, Martin Luther, the one who started the whole Protestant Reformation, the father of the Lutheran Church, he wrote about the terrorists of his time, peasants who were rebelling against the established order, peasants who were trying to overthrow society by killing the lords, nobles, knights, judges and lawyers. And Martin Luther wrote, A rebel is not worth rational arguments, for he does not accept them. You have to answer people like that with a fist till the sweat drips off their nose. The peasants would not listen. They would not let anyone tell them anything, so their ears must now be unbuttoned with musket balls until their heads jump off their shoulders. In other words, kill them all. And there are people like that today who believe that to stop terrorism, you have to kill all the terrorists. When America invaded Afghanistan and Iraq following 9-11, many Christians in the US were for it. Violence had to be met with violence. Is there a different response? So now let me read to you two chapters of Job, Job 18 and 19. Uh, Job is a man who had been brung low in life. He lost everything. And here in this passage, Job's friend, Bildad, you will see, he's the shortest man in the Bible because he is shoe height. Don't worry, the first service didn't get it also. Shoe height, as tall as the shoe, you know, the height of the shoe. But Bildad talked about the wicked, evil man. Then Bildad, the shoe height, answered and said, How long will you hunt for words? He's talking to Job. Consider, and then we will speak. Why are we counted as cattle? Why are we stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in your anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you, or the rock be moved out of its place? Indeed, the light of the wicked is put out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp above him is put out. His strong steps are shortened, and his own schemes throw him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks on its mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel. A snare lays hold of him. A rope is hidden for him in the ground. A trap for him in the path. Terrors frighten him on every side and chase him at his heels. His strength is famished, and calamity is ready for his stumbling. It consumes the parts of his skin, the firstborn of death consumes his limbs. He is torn from the tent in which he trusted and is brought to the king of terrors. In his tent dwells that which is none of his. Sulfur is scattered over his habitation. His roots dry up beneath. His branches wither above. His memory perishes from the earth. He has no name 
in the street. He is thrust from light into darkness and driven out of the world. He has no posterity or progeny among his people, no survivor where he used to live. They of the West are appalled at his day, and horror seizes them of the East. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous, such is the place of him who knows not God. Then Job answered and said, How long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? These ten times you have cast reproach upon me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? And even if it be true that I have erred, my error remains within myself. If indeed you magnify yourselves against me and make my disgrace an argument against me, know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. Behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. He has walled up my way so I cannot pass. He has set darkness upon my paths. He has stripped from me my glory, taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side, and I am gone, and my hope has he pulled up like a tree. He has kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary. His troops come on together. They have cast up their siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has put my brothers far from me. And those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. My breath is strange to my wife, and I am a stench to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk, about, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I loved have turned against me. My bones stick to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you, like God, pursue me? Why are you not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall be whole and not another. My heart faints within me. If you say, how we will pursue him, and the root of the matter is found in him. Be afraid of the sword, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment. This is the word of God. Bildad says that the wicked will be crushed, that the wicked's light will go out, the wicked's scheme will throw the wicked down, the wicked will be trapped. And then in verse 11, terrors will frighten the evil one on every side and chase him at his heels. Terrors will chase the wicked at his heels. 
It is the wicked, Bildad says, that will be terrorized. His skin will be consumed. Death will take his limbs. The wicked will not be remembered. He will have no offspring. He will be thrust into darkness. And Bildad says confidently, people will be appalled and horrified at what happens to the wicked. Such, he says, are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. So, the wicked do not know God. They will be wiped from the earth in great terror and even the memory of them will not remain. But then Job answers Bildad. And Job says, he is the one who has been terrorized. He is the one who has been attacked. He hasn't done anything wrong. But everything has been taken away from him. Taken from him, not the wicked. Job is the one who has been torn down. Job is the one who has become repulsive, despised, not the wicked. Job is the one who is close to death, not the wicked. The wicked is not the one who faces terror. The innocent is the one who is terrorized. But in spite of his pain and suffering, in spite of what he thinks God has done to him, Job still acknowledges God as Redeemer and Judge. And he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my flesh has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. The word Redeemer here in Jewish law refers to a person who on one hand seeks justice like avenging the blood of a murdered relative but not seeking revenge justice and on the other hand same person also stands as a champion of the suffering a defender of the oppressed a vindicator of the wrong Job is saying that at the end God will rescue him. God will vindicate him. God will redeem him. God will bring life to Job. Job's skin may be destroyed. Not the skin of the wicked. But somehow, God will come. And Job will see God in his flesh, no matter how long it takes. As the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon explained Job, seeing it from his perspective, Spurgeon said, there must be a just God in heaven who will see me righted. And even though worms devour my body until the last relic of it has passed away, I do verily believe that somehow in the far off ages, I shall be vindicated. So Job warns his friends then to be afraid not of the sword of the wicked or of the justice of the civil magistrate, or some rampaging enemy, but to be afraid of the sword of divine justice. Job says that there will be a future and righteous judgment that no one will escape. God is the one we should fear, according to Job. And Jesus also says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
in the Bible, God is a source of terror because He deals judgment beyond life. But He is also hope who gives life beyond this world. The point is that we should not fear the wicked. Maybe they won't be destroyed now. Maybe they won't face terror. They may terrorize us, but our Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth. He is the one we should look to. And if there's someone who should be feared, then it is that Redeemer who will sweep evil away. And we should pray then that we are not counted among the evil. That is the reality we have to keep in mind. Not meeting evil with evil, but meeting evil with God. Meeting evil with the hope, love and grace of God. And is that not the calling of the church? Jesus, our Redeemer, is God's answer to all the evil in the world, including terrorism. And the church is God's instrument in the world to let the world know that redemption and salvation have come. And so my Christian response to terrorism, to all evil, is simply for Christians to be Christians, for the church to be the church, because it is by ushering in the kingdom of God and His reign that the world will be transformed, that the world will be made right. It doesn't mean we have to do things differently. It just means that we are meant to be what we are meant to be. We have to be the people that God has called us to be. Only then we will write things in the world. Let me tell the story of Desmond Tutu, who was Anglican Bishop of Lesotho, then Bishop of Johannesburg, then Archbishop of Cape Town, South Africa. He was Bishop at a time when the government of South Africa was terrorizing its own black population. When the Black African National Congress, classed as a terrorist organization, was fighting the South African apartheid government. And Bishop uh, Tutu was subjected to numerous arrests and death threats. But the government realized that they could not get rid of this troublesome priest. Not because he had a high position in church or that he had an international reputation. The South African government couldn't quietly get rid of Bishop Tutu because, as one writer put it, he clearly had been a person of goodwill and transcendent joy, even in the midst of pain, a person of prayer in circumstances that seemed to renounce the reality of God, a person of intervention who was willing to risk his own life in non-violent defense of the lives of adversaries as well as allies. In apartheid South Africa, Bishop Tutu stood before the guns of the white security forces to defend the lives of black protesters. And he stood before angry mobs to defend the lives of outnumbered white policemen and suspected black informers who were in danger of murder. Now that is an example to follow. That is living as a Christian 
in the face of terrorism, showing the world what the grace and love of God is like. Are we such people of joy and prayer? How are we living for God, even in the absence of terrorist attacks? And if the attacks should come, we should remember that religious extremist uh, terrorism is nothing new. Jesus warned his disciples in John chapter 16. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. The terrorists may think they are fulfilling a holy duty in killing you. The terrorists may endure. They may seem to be willing. They may kill the body. But our hope is in our Redeemer, Jesus. Jesus, the one who was surrounded by terror his whole life. When Jesus was born, King Herod tried to kill him, chased him out of the country into Egypt. When Jesus was growing up, his own town folk tried to throw him off a cliff. And right at the end, Jesus was tortured and killed in the most painful way possible. And yet, before his birth, angels said to Joseph and Mary, Do not be afraid. At his birth, angels told the shepherds, Fear not, do not be afraid. And at Jesus' resurrection, an angel appeared and said to the two Marys at the tomb, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because our Redeemer Jesus is with us. He will sweep evil away. He will right the world. Until he does, we are to live as his disciples in the hope that at the end, our Redeemer will make all things right. Amen. Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace shown to us through Jesus. Thank you for Jesus who lives in us, for the example he set. Help us then, Lord, live as his disciples, show to the world love and grace as you pour it into our lives. Help us, Lord, show the world what Jesus is like. We pray this in his name. Amen.